Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Love Letters and Mixtapes, or send me an email at loveLettersAndMixtapes at gmail.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Well, this week... In honor of my 100th podcast episode, I wanted to talk about creating a life where you get to be your favorite self. Now that might sound a little confusing because we are often bombarded with messages about being our highest selves, our best selves, our most productive selves. There is an entire industry in the media focused on hacks how to get to that place where we are the most productive. And so bringing up the topic of being our favorite selves might seem a little strange. What does that mean? What does that feel like? What does that look like? When I imagine any of us living in alignment with our favorite self, to me, it feels like a massive release. We are releasing ourselves from the shoulds in our life. You should be doing this. You should be wanting this. You should be needing this. You should be achieving this. And when we allow ourselves the opportunity to just set down all of those shoulds, we can view ourselves through our own gates instead of viewing our worthiness through someone else's gaze, whether that is the media, our family, our culture, our community, our partner, our job. When we allow ourselves to connect with what we want, with what feels most in alignment for us, it's a perspective shift. And for so many of us, we may not even know ourselves outside of that structure of productivity, outside of that structure of what can I do for this other person. And it can be really challenging to shift our gaze. Instead of scanning the crowd for approval, we turn and look in the mirror and we look at ourselves and we check in and we see what is out of alignment. What parts of ourselves have we cut off or shut down in order to be more acceptable, to be received well by other people? 
And I know this topic is very sensitive and can be very challenging for those of us who grew up in situations where we had to hide ourselves. We had to hide our wants and our very needs in order to survive, in order to preserve the system. And that can occur in all different types of home environments. Very often on this podcast, we explore what it was like to grow up in a home where there was very challenging dysfunction. And I know that many people say every home was dysfunctional. I'm referring to a home where you are not allowed to live age appropriately, where you are not allowed to have wants or needs, where you are not allowed to safely exist or communicate. And that can look different for so many of us. And I really want to stress the feeling, not the circumstance, because this is not a contest. If you grew up in a home very different from mine, but you had very similar feelings, that's what this discussion is about. It's not about any of us trying to one-up each other with trauma. It's how we experienced it, how we felt, how it took root within us and changed how we showed up in the world. And for those of us who grew up in that type of a home, we have spent so much of our lives hiding that we sometimes don't know what it is to be seen and known. And we really struggle to discern what that feeling is. We have spent so much time minimizing our wants and needs for fear of consequences, humiliation, or abandonment that we've kind of compartmentalize them and package them down. And then when someone gets on a podcast on a beautiful Sunday morning and is talking about living as our favorite selves, it can feel like an insult. It can feel like we're being shamed or someone's looking at us and saying that we've done something wrong. And I'm so aware of how confronting it can be when we've had to live a certain way in order to survive and someone invites us to look at it in a different way. And that's what this discussion is. This is never about shaming anyone or pointing a finger at what they did wrong. It's really holding out a hand and saying, how about you just join me for the next 10 minutes or so and we'll talk about this together. And if it aligns for you, that is so beautiful to me because this is simply an invitation to connect with others who've had similar experiences and an invitation to know and trust yourself at such a deeper level. The level that you were never allowed to access when you were living in fight or flight, when you had to tap into your survival skills on a daily basis, or even today as an adult living your life when you're no longer in fight or flight, but you can't quite escape it. And you see all the opportunities to thrive in your life and you feel stuck. You feel stuck in survival mode. You know it should feel good and it doesn't. That's what this conversation is about. So how do we even get in touch with our favorite self? Especially for those of us who've spent our entire lives hiding, making ourselves small, compartmentalizing, acquiescing to the room. How do we know what we actually enjoy about ourselves? I think a very helpful practice, but a very challenging practice, is untangling our complicated story of unworthiness. 
And as I say that, you can think, well, what does that have to do with being my favorite self? One helpful practice is to actually put pen to paper and write out the story of your wildest dream in any area of your life. That could be your relationships, it could be finances, it could be creativity, it could be your profession. What is your wildest dream that you would never tell anyone because it's so outrageous, it's so over the top that you fear being made fun of, you fear being seen in this way, and maybe it's something that no one even knows about you. I want you to write that story down. Put as much detail as possible into that story. Put feeling into that story. How do you feel in this role that you want for yourself? If your dream is to be a musician, let's say, and you're writing about your dream, what does it feel like inside when you are on that stage under those lights and you play the first chord? I want you to write all of that down. And the second part of this is writing down your story of unworthiness around this dream. What words come up for you? Whose voice is this story being narrated in? Is it a familiar voice? Was it someone you grew up with? Was it a caregiver, a family member, a friend, a partner, someone you work with? Who is narrating your story of unworthiness? And as you continue to write it down, you don't have to do anything. And I think that's very important in this practice because so often we're told to do something for an instant alchemizing moment. You don't need to do anything. The sole focus of this practice is bringing yourself closer to yourself, understanding what you want and understanding the story you are telling yourself about why you are so unworthy of what you want. So we put our pen to paper, we write these two things down, and then we sit with it. And I want you to come back to it day after day. Read this little story that you wrote and allow yourself moments of contemplation. And that can sound silly. You can laugh as you're listening to this. I'm not talking about one hour a day in deep meditation. I'm talking about read this story to yourself that you wrote and sit with it for one minute. And the next day, sit with it for two minutes. The next day, sit with it for three minutes. Build your tolerance on a daily basis for sitting with what you want and need and dream about while also sitting with your blocks to it. The instant voice that rises up that is an epic poem of unworthiness that is right there, so easy to access that you don't even realize it immediately lights up when you try to touch on what you want. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches how do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. 
You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. So as we drop into this practice and allow ourselves to sit in conscious contact with ourselves day after day, so much will be revealed. Things will rise up to the surface. We will be forced to tell the truth about some things that we didn't even know we were running from. Through this simple practice, we will create space for our favorite self to rise up through those pages that we wrote. And it may not happen instantly, and we may have to come back to it time and time again because our resistance to our worthiness is so great. But our story will reveal to us what is our favorite thing. What do we appreciate about ourselves? How do we want the world to see us and connect with us and receive us? What is that spot in the world that is meant for us that maybe no one else knows about? And why should they know about it? Personally, I am a big believer in walking towards things in small increments. And I know it's not as sexy or as exciting as something just happening in one big flash overnight. But if we allow ourselves to become tolerant of our own dreams, our own wishes, our own wants and needs, we are slowly carving out a space for ourselves in this world. And it may be really surprising to us. Maybe our favorite self is not productive. Maybe our favorite self is not always on this intense self-improvement plan. Maybe our favorite self is really craving peace with who we are. Maybe our favorite self feels like an exhale instead of that sharp inhale and rigidity that we can feel in our chest and our abdomen when we are in spaces where we feel that we do not belong and we are muscling through. Maybe our favorite self is just a release. And if you are sitting there listening to this right now, I want you to lift your shoulders up to your ears Curl them back and drop them down. I want you to open your hands, extend your fingers. I want you to just move your neck around. Just take up space, be in your body. See what that feels like. Check in with how often you are not allowing yourself to take up space. How often you are in a contracted position as you try to walk through this mold of the gaze of the outer world. Now, I'm a big believer in balance, so in talking about this, this is not an invitation to point your finger at the entire world and blame them for everything that is going on. I do not think that that would be entirely helpful. This is an internal practice of softness and acceptance, of creating space within ourselves and creating space in our world. So if you have that instant feeling of reactivity as you're listening to me speak about this and you want to instantly destroy something in your life, I'm going to invite you to call yourself back home and find some type of grounding practice that works for you. This is about being centered, about feeling steady, about feeling as if we know ourselves, we know what name we answer to, we know who we are. We know our capacity. It's not about reactivity. And the goal in talking about this is not to punish the people around us. The goal is to create that space in the world, a place on the map where we can go or we can 
shift our gaze to when life gets tough, in allowing ourselves to find something that is our favorite and trust that we do not need anyone else's seal of approval. And as we do that, we create a place within ourselves to discern and to decompress when life gets tough. I think the most basic and powerful benefits of meditation is not that we seem pious and spiritual to the rest of the world. It's that we are creating this room in ourselves, in our spirit, that we can always return to when things feel overwhelming or out of control. But if we do not create those practices, if we do not carve out those neural pathways to find that room, it can feel as if we are in a labyrinth within ourselves and we're in fight or flight and the light is dimming and we have no idea how to get to that space. So if we create opportunities to find that and tap into that in ourselves on a daily basis, you know, when we're in a moment of conflict, we will know exactly where to go inside of ourselves. When someone is calling us by a name that does not resonate with us, we will hear it immediately and we will not try to adapt to that name or answer to it in order to be more likable or to keep the peace. For some of us, it can be particularly challenging because we did not have the experiences that we would have wanted when we were younger. And so as adults, we can feel really cut off from that joy, that experience of a favorite self. Maybe we don't have those memories to reflect on of, oh, you know, I had that one experience way back then and I knew what my favorite self was. So if you are in that situation, I'm going to invite you to experiment with something. What I find most powerful in tapping into these experiences and recreating what I kind of didn't have when I was younger is when I create those experiences for the people around me in my life today. And an example of that can be, be who you wish you had when you were younger. It is a very powerful way of experiencing what you view as your favorite. If you did not have a kind, loving, supportive voice in your life, maybe find a way to be that for other people. If you did not often have a space of emotional safety, how can you create that in your world today? If you were constantly mocked for your creativity or your expansiveness or your curiosity, what would it look like if you were the exact opposite? If every time someone came to you with a crazy, ridiculous dream, instead of picking them apart and breaking them down, you said, I see your infinite capacity. And I know it almost sounds counterintuitive, but it is so profoundly healing when we can be those people. We create that channel in ourselves. Now, I never want to lead anyone astray because I can tell you from very personal experience, the world is wildly reactive towards change makers, alchemists, communicators, people who do feel the freedom to walk towards their favorite self, who love to incorporate that joy and that enthusiasm in their life. There is a strong negativity bias in the world today, and it doesn't always have a place to go. Negativity bias used to keep us alive when we didn't have shelter. Where does that show up in our lives today in 2023 or almost 2024? 
we start to judge and pick apart other people and it triggers that same thing in our brain and we think that we are keeping ourselves alive. But what we're actually doing is making other people small. So an important part of this is finding some serenity and balance with the idea that your favorite self can be very disruptive in your life. It can feel as if you have broken some type of covenant with the people around you. When you are no longer automatically acquiescing to their demands or their needs, it can feel like a conflict to them. It can feel like failure. And I want you to know that it's okay to disrupt the flow of things sometimes in an effort to connect with who you are and what you are meant to do in this world. And it does not mean that we have to burn our lives to the ground today. It does not mean we just have to listen to a podcast on a Sunday morning and destroy all of our relationships. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about a commitment to getting to know ourselves, to peeling back the layers of the onion and realizing there's probably so much more depth to us than we have allowed ourselves to accept. Because if we continue this journey, and we go deeper and deeper and get to know ourselves really well, it might reveal to us how much we have sacrificed, how much we have given up in our lives. And that can be so frustrating. We can feel angry or resentful or ashamed. All of these things that have these intense negative connotations. But I'm going to invite you to observe, to be a witness to allow yourself to put down that judgment and hypervigilance and the freedom to just come into some contact with joy about who you are. There are things about you that are absolutely incredible, and I have no doubt that you have been hiding them for fear of being seen, for fear of being rejected, for fear of being hurt and abandoned, maybe even made fun of. But there is a place in the world for you. There is a place within yourself for you. I've shared on this podcast in a really general way that the last two years have been particularly challenging. There has been this overlap of very serious health issues with other issues popping up in my life. And it's not even that unique. It's not that special. It is a human experience. And by engaging regularly in these practices that I speak about on this podcast, I release myself from the compulsion of making it look better than it is. I don't have to pretty it up for anyone. It just is what it is. And it can be incredibly helpful in the midst of all of that confusion, all of that unwanted feedback I receive on a daily basis from the world around me to be very grounded and centered in my favorite self in trusting who my favorite self is, in trusting what I am meant to do, and allowing that to evolve over time, not introducing rigidity, but being very agile and open. And it has not been perfect, and it has not been easy, and I don't think it's going to be that way for anyone listening. This is simply a practice to take up space. Something that I say all the time and is very much in alignment with this topic is don't trust indoor thoughts. That is something that my favorite self really aligns with. Don't trust indoor thoughts. For me personally, it means creating a very full, well-rounded life for myself. 
so that I do not view myself through the gaze of someone else's purpose or agenda. It can be really challenging if we are in a relationship that feels that way, if we are in a work environment that feels that way, a family dynamic, a system of some sorts. We can assume that someone else's perception of us is truth because we have nothing else to compare it to. But when you have a big, beautiful, full, well-rounded life, one person's perspective of you, it doesn't have to be dismissed, but it can be in its place because we can be destroyed if we receive one piece of very distorted feedback in our day. But if we have all of these other areas of our life that is feeding us, it can be in perspective. We can see it for what it is. It can take up its own space, but it doesn't have to take up everything. It does not have to define us. And I think that there's real power in that. And when those inevitable human conflicts happen, and they do happen, we will have had so much balance and grounded energy and perspective that we can move through them with some element of serenity. We will not be knocked off our feet. We can tap into our tool of discernment and we can see how we are showing up in other people's lives, how we are perhaps disappointing them by not following their script, but we can also feel released from their script because it is not ours. It is simply a very human experience to look around the room and take everyone else's inventory without considering how we have contributed to the situation or how our bias or perspective is influencing us. And that doesn't mean that the feedback you get is not worthwhile. Of course it is. Everything is grist for the mill. But we also have to consider the source. And when we're not in touch with our own source, our own joy, our own purpose, it can be really confusing for us. So that's my message for you this week. Find ways to get closer to your favorite self and do not trust indoor thoughts. And I'm not just speaking about going out into nature and touching grass. I know that we all can't do that, but being aware of the structure and rigidity in your life and consciously creating moments and experiences and relationships of expansiveness, taking up space. Thank you again for being here with me and joining me on this journey. And whether this is your first episode or this is your hundredth episode with me, I so appreciate it. Until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Maybe send this episode to someone in your life who would resonate with it. My ultimate goal in this podcast is that it sparks conversation and connection in your own life. You can also take a moment to like, rate, and review this podcast, or maybe send me an email at loveLettersAndMixtapes at gmail.com with topics that you would like me to discuss on this podcast.